I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that will make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and on this episode, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics and how I've chosen to live my life, language learning is gonna be good. Today, I chat with my friend Brian Wiles, who went from being a classic all-American dude to being fluent enough in Egyptian Arabic to start a YouTube channel and become a sensation in the Arabic-speaking world. And even though Arabic is one of the hardest languages to learn, this man has done it without stepping foot in an Arabic-speaking country. In this episode, we walk through the language learning journey, we share our favorite resources, we talk about how to get over those difficult language learning humps, and how language learning will rewire not only your brain, your personality but your entire world whether you're learning arabic or any other language this episode is going to get you motivated to finally invest in yourself and that's what makes somebody a little less average the intro sis you know she's not your average joe not your average joe Language learning is near me because the language that I'm speaking now, I wasn't actually born to speak. No, eu sou brasileira, so my first language is Portuguese. Then as a five-year-old, I learned English. Then I became obsessed with the power that language learning gave me. So I dedicated time to learning French, Italian, Spanish, and now I dabble in Egyptian, Arabic, and Greek. But I gotta keep it real, I'm not exactly the classic language learner. I don't really focus too much on grammar. I learn the basics, but then I jump right into using it. Because in my opinion, you learn a language to communicate. Language learning is one of my favorite things, not only because it introduces me to people I wouldn't have met, or gets me access to places I would have never seen, but it's proven to actually improve your memory, make your brain physically bigger, increase self-awareness and empathy towards others, and it overall opens up your world in ways that you might never have known. The thing about language is that it's a superpower. You're one personality in one language and a completely different personality in another. Arabic and Mandarin are considered to be two of the most challenging languages on earth. But I've studied them both over the last five years. And today I want to answer a question that I get asked all the time. Which of these two languages is actually harder to learn? That voice you just heard was of my friend Brian. The dude can speak Masri. I knew I had to reach out to Brian when I stumbled upon his viral YouTube video. And as somebody who's been trying to learn Egyptian Arabic for a little while, I had to know more about his secrets. Brian, let's talk language learning. Happy to. It's like my favorite topic. You don't have any reason to speak Arabic, but you are fluent. Right, so this is a bit of a tangent to start out with, but this like fluency is such an interesting term that I kind of, I don't want to say I take issue with it, but like what does 100% fluent mean? And I talk about this in my videos and that to me, I just want to kind of get this out of the way because, you know, if you say you're fluent and then people will be like, well, you don't know how to say, you know, transmogrify in Arabic. So you're not really fluent. And I just want to say to me, fluency is being able to express yourself comfortably and naturally in your target language. So that's my little spiel, my little disclaimer. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to learn Arabic because... 
Well, for a few reasons. One, I think it's a beautiful language and a fascinating language in its own right. But I also think that a lot of people in the West, myself included, have a lot of misconceptions about the Arabic speaking world. And I wanted to learn more about it firsthand, or at least from people who are living there uh, and I can chat with them over the internet. But of all the languages you could have chosen, you chose Arabic and right before you were learning Mandarin, yeah? Yeah, and I still I still study Mandarin. I love studying Mandarin uh, and I love speaking Mandarin. And I think part of the reason was I like a challenge. And damn, is learning Arabic a challenge? So how do you measure what languages are harder to learn than others? Well, the FSI, or the Foreign Service Institute, has taken a look at diplomats that are English-speaking who have learned languages to work abroad. And they've created a category system ranging from Category 1 languages like English, Spanish, French, Dutch, Swedish, Portuguese, and more, where they say that it can take up to 24 to 30 weeks or 600 to 750 class hours to learn because those languages are more similar to English. But when you get down to a Category 4 language, which includes Arabic, Cantonese, Mandarin, Japanese, and Korean, it's said that it could take up to 88 weeks or 2,200 class hours with a recommendation to actually live in the country where it's spoken to become proficient. So the fact that Brian, a guy who's never gone to Egypt, has learned this language from the comfort of his own home using online resources is impressive. You know, one of the best things that you told me when we first talked, you said that you used to play tons of video games and one day you woke up and you said you were tired of wasting your life. Talk about That's that. <laughs> From the time I was probably, I don't know, 10 until I was about 30, about the time I met my fiance who became my wife. Um, in my downtime, I played a lot of video games. And one of the reasons was that, as we've discussed, I'm, you know, and when I'm not making YouTube videos, I'm an actor and actors have a lot of downtime. And I used to fill that time with video games because, you know, video games are fun. But I always knew that I wanted to do something more productive and I had an interest in languages and world cultures, different cultures. And so know, there came a day shortly after I met my soon-to-be wife um, where I thought, I really wanna make this switch and do something that feels satisfying in the long term not just fun for the next half an hour or two hours you know whatever video games gave to me at the time so that was it and then i kind of never looked back and I, I i don't play video games at all anymore i mean yeah i don't even have the urge to now your average joe tip number one the not so average joe looks at their waking hours as a way to invest in anything if you spend time doing something it's bound to yield for better or worse spending time playing a video game will unlock the next level spending time studying a language and becoming fluent in it will unlock a whole new layer of your life planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Isn't it crazy to think that in the process of two years, is that, is that how long it took from scratch to now? To now for Arabic, it's probably about three and a half. What was the marker of time where you felt comfortable to express yourself? How long after you started? You know, two years. I would say two years, I felt like I could express myself pretty well in uh, any context that I would naturally find myself in, you know, like technical language, no, but um, any kind of ordinary conversation, talking about my day, my family, my life, the things I'm interested in. Yeah, I could do it after about two years. Let's break down that timeline. You started, how many hours did you dedicate a day? How many hours did you dedicate a week? Were there some weeks where you fell off? Like right now, I'm in one of those weeks. Sure. Where I'm like, uh, is that it? Like I, I, you know, I forgot a lot of it, but then it comes back once I dedicate that time. But what was the time commitment? You know, I didn't have a fixed schedule, but I would say on average, I'd probably spend, you know, three, three hours, four hours a day, three to four hours a day. Um, but that includes things like listening to Arabic podcasts or audio programs while I went for a run or walked around. And that's one of my favorite things, like walking around and listening to things and you know, trying to write down or remember words that stick out in my mind. So yeah, I would do it about three, three hours a day on average, every day, um, because it wasn't really like a chore for me. I wanted to do it and I still wanna do it. Like it's something I find genuinely enjoyable. And I feel like I'm very lucky for that. You know, For anyone else out there who wants to learn a language, I think if you can find a way to really enjoy the process and not make it feel like it's something you have to do, that's huge. Not your average Joe tip number two. The not so average Joe finds ways to hack things. Multitasking is a great way to optimize your time. If you're on your phone already, change the language. If you're watching Netflix, watch something foreign with subtitles. If you're obsessed with music like me, listen to things in your target language. When you make something less of a time commitment, it becomes more manageable. My favorite way personally to practice a language is running on the treadmill and listening to an audio lesson or following social media accounts in that language. I love journaling in different languages or better yet, making friends who speak your target language and having conversations with them via text, via voice notes, or in real life. If you bake the process into your already daily routine, it becomes less of a process. Did you like school? I like school. Some classes. Like I never loved math or anything related to science, but I liked English. I liked writing classes. I liked philosophy a lot, history. Um, so yeah, I did, there were things in school that I did like, yes. I think anybody who's learning Egyptian Arabic has to have the knowledge of self-teaching because like you said in your videos, there is no formal book. Like there are a few books, but because Masri is not, Masri is a dialect, so it's not like Greek or it's not like French where you could just pick up a book and assume that it's 100% breaking down the language. You have to listen a lot more. So it's almost like this, untraditional language learning experience. Yeah, I think that's totally right. That's totally, and I had never experienced something like that before. And I've kind of developed a whole new perspective on learning languages, having gone through that process. Because it really is, like you said, it's, it's totally, or much more so self-driven. It's like DIY. Yeah, basically. And you kind of cobble together little bits and pieces here and there, yeah. 
Side note about Arabic here. So there's MSA, which is Modern Standard Arabic, and that's used in a lot of the Arabic-speaking world news outlets or in cartoons, but dialects are what people use in everyday spoken language. And globally, there are over 25 Arabic-spoken dialects. Egyptian Arabic, aka Masri, is the most widely spoken. So if you are trying to learn Arabic and you don't know which dialect to choose, Masri is a solid choice. And word on the street is that most movies that come out of the Arabic-speaking world are actually in Masri. So if you like movies, that could be your step closer to fluency. And I'm also studying Masri because my best friend Omnia speaks Egyptian and when you have somebody in your day-to-day -day life that can give you slang and joke around, it makes it that much more fun. But isn't that unmotivating for you? Like, isn't it frustrating at times? How do you get over that frustration when you're like, where is the book to teach me the answer? It totally. Um, but I feel like I've had that experience with other languages too. Just in this case, instead of paging through a textbook looking for the answer, now I'm going, okay, I need to try to find this on some dictionary or maybe in my next conversation with an Egyptian, ask them what this means. In some ways it feels a lot more personal because you're getting explanations from people, or at least I am much more so rather than going to a book or a dictionary. And that has given me an appreciation, an appreciation for the language that feels, yeah, less academic and more like, oh, okay, this is how people really speak and what they really mean, not what some dictionary writer or textbook writer thinks this word means. Which brings me to my next point. We share the same Arabic teacher, Ahmed. Yo, yeah, he's great. He's, he's great. great. But I think from what you mentioned, you have more than one teacher, right? Like part of your process yes. is hiring more than one teacher, which I think is strategic and really important. Yeah, I, um, I think there's a number of reasons that it's useful. One, I think it's very helpful for getting acclimated to different tones of voice, different styles of speaking. And you know, you just listen to people speak any language, different people use different vocabulary to express themselves. And so if you wanna understand a wide range of people, in my opinion, it's a good idea to speak to lots of people. And then I also, because I wanna learn more about these cultures, uh, Egypt, but also, you know, I, I, I've actually gone outside of the Egyptian teacher universe and had a few lessons with like Syrian teachers or Jordanian teachers um, to learn more about those cultures as well. So yeah, I'm a fan. Not your average Joe, tip number three. The not so average Joe knows they have to take their learning into their own hands. Following someone else's syllabus or learning formula just might not work for you. You're an individual and so is your learning style. Gather your own list of resources and ways you learn and be confident that you know how you learn best. Be your own teacher so you can be the best student. I just am sitting here in shock because what I want people to know is that you're a father, you just had your second baby. Thank you. Congratulations, Mabruk. Thank you. Shukran Gidden Gidden. And you are a working actor. You are a husband. You live in New York City. All of these things are full-time jobs, and yet you still found the time to dedicate to learning Egyptian Arabic, and you've never gone to Egypt. There's no reason for you to necessarily speak anything else other than English, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think I would say that, one, it's a... I guess a labor of love, but it doesn't even feel like a labor. I just like it, you know? At the end of the day, I think that's the main reason. I just find it fun. And yeah, I mean, I could say other things, but at the end of the day, I just like it. Okay, so we know that you should learn languages to expand yourself as a human being, to become interesting, to see the world differently. But in Brian's case and in mine, it's a way to open up a new career path. Like when he started posting videos in Arabic on a YouTube channel and hit over 200,000 subscribers within a few months of starting his channel. 
And within a year, he's almost at the 400,000 subscriber mark, purely based on these Arabic videos that he made just as a way to start practicing the language. How do you feel making videos in uh, Masri? Because I think you've opened up a whole new layer of your identity on the internet. We were just talking about how you don't know how to juggle between the Egyptian audience versus the American audience. Do you start two channels? From my experience, when I started making videos documenting my, my Arabic journey, it actually helped me remember. So I almost right. use it as a tool to keep learning. But for you, it's opening this whole new career path too. Totally. I, I started making videos for the same reason you just mentioned. I wanted to practice. I wanted to force myself to do something that would require me to speak at a higher level and to up my game as it were. And that's another big thing that like, if you're an advanced speaker, I highly recommend just putting yourself in situations that feel uncomfortable because one of the biggest obstacles I think for someone learning a language, um, for anyone learning a language, if they want to feel fluent is getting past nerves and discomfort. And in my opinion, the best way to do that is just to do it, to, to kind of put yourself in those situations and get acclimated. So that was, that was part of the initial reason. And then, you know, after about four months, I luckily, um, alhamdulillah, as you say, uh, the videos really took off. And I felt like, oh, people are responding to this. I feel like uh, that makes me feel so validated. And also like, maybe I can do something with this because it's fun to me. And what does everyone want, right? You want to find a job that you love and people pay lip service to that. But I was like, oh, maybe I can really do it. And it's funny because like I watched uh, Manifest and I saw you in a scene and this is after we had connected. I'm like, holy shit, that's Brian. Like I was just talking to him about Arabic and now he's playing this evil man on a show like again going back to That's this right. idea that you can unlock multiple sides of yourself with language learning totally. which is super totally. cool let's talk about nitty-gritty resources what are your go-to tools and resources and and if you're like me they probably change but what are your favorite things for mustery specifically it could be that and then for mandarin too for mustery you know it's like you said aren't exactly a lot of textbooks out there that the people that I've spoken to from Egypt at least would say reflect the way that people really speak. They're either too academic or sort of dated in many cases, not entirely, not entirely. And there's actually a smaller publishing company called Lingualism, lingualism.com. Um, they'll probably be very happy if you check out their website. They're really like, a, it's like a small, it's like two people in Egypt who are just making these really great books um, that are very conversational, like Okay, how do people like in the street in Arabic, in Egypt rather, order food from a food cart? How do they, what do you say when you get in a cab? And it's really, like you said, nitty gritty. If you're talking with people over the internet, as I usually am, some of that stuff is less useful because you can kind of role play a little bit like, okay, you be the cab driver and I'll be the passenger. But, you know, it feels unnatural. It feels unnatural after a while. So I used so those lingualism books are great uh, for specific purposes. There's a series called Kalimni um, Arabi, which is um, there's a, there are five books in the series. It's kind of the most well known, I would say, Egyptian Arabic uh, series. They're a little dated in my opinion, and in the opinion of again Egyptians who I've talked to, but very useful. And if you're looking for like a structured progression, it's there. The downside is, depending on how you look at it, there's no English in those books. So you really need to work with someone who can walk you through it, at least for the first six months. I'm just so impressed um, that you did all of this virtually. That's really amazing. Thank you so much. And But you're doing it virtually, right? Have you, have you been to Egypt? I have been to Egypt. And oh, the first 
like my, the inkling that I had that I should study it was because when I was there for 10 days, I, I started picking up words and I started like piecing sentences together. And I'm like, oh, what would happen if I properly applied myself? Yeah. And then I started doing it from my house in Connecticut, which has been good. And then I went to Greece and then I, I like remembered my Greek. And then now I'm like, uh, like, what am I speaking right now? <laughs> that, yeah, that's another problem. So do you feel like that part is confusing as well? Like getting on the subject of learning two languages at once? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if you how you feel about this, but I feel like it depends on the languages. I get mixed up between Spanish and Arabic much more than I would like. And I don't know why that is. To some degree, there are some similarities between those languages, a, a number of similarities that I talk about in one of my videos. But I feel like I should be better at distinguishing them in my mind. But if I try to go back and forth between the two, I'll start mixing up words and this and that. Arabic to Mandarin, I don't really have that problem so much. They're very, in my mind at least, they're very distinct. Um, so it depends. It depends on the languages. What about you? I mean, you back go back and forth between like Spanish and Portuguese and Greek and all kinds of it's stuff. It's so crazy. So I started doing this series where I answered questions in different languages to test my brain. Oh, I saw that. I saw you do this. This is great. This so is I great. sat down and I started filming it and I'm like, where's the wine? Because it is so intense. <laughs> like it is <laughs> no joke. I've done it before. I used to work at a hostel and I had a name tag and it said like, my name is Joanna. I speak. And at the time it was French, Spanish, Portuguese, and English. And there were like weeks where all of these tourists would come in from Europe. And I yeah. swear to you, every guest, I would do the check-in in a different language. And that was like a freaking marathon for my brain, which I don't know if it helps me or, or makes it harder, but it definitely is a skill set that yeah, I need to improve. Yeah. But yes, okay, let's get back to resources. So you you are a big fan of italki, yeah? Yeah, italki is, I mean, I think for Egyptian Arabic, it's pretty much essential because unless you go to Egypt, you're gonna to have to find a way to talk to people. There are other, I mean, there are other platforms like this where you, it sets you up with someone who's over there and you can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. But I think italki is probably the most easy to use, most extensive and, and probably the cheapest. Yeah. What other resources? How do you find them? Like Glossica, I, you, you mentioned to me, I didn't love it, but maybe it's, it's because I- dry. It's super, it's super dry. dry. You know, and Glossica, to be honest, I've, it's lost a little bit of its luster to me. Um, there goes any sponsorship deal, I guess. But um, <laughs> but it is it's very very dry. And but actually the bigger problem is that so the way Glossic works is it gives you uh, a sentence in your target language. Uh, sorry, in your native language, you can select English or like any other language. Uh, not any other language, but many other languages. And then it'll give you the translation of that sentence in a different language. And you you listen to this for hours on end, basically, however much you want to do. I actually think the big problem is the English. I wish there was no English uh, because like we like you, you know, we were talking about, it makes you switch back and forth between two languages in your mind. And for me, that's never been as effective. And it's just super, super dry. So now kind of in place of that, uh, I've been using Anki a lot, which I think is really, you know, again, very dry, but if you find a good deck, if you find a good deck, what's it fun? It's just funny because it's like the things that work are very dry. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's true. That's, that's how I feel. It's like the drier it is, the more effective it is. The more, bo <laughs> the more boring it is, probably the better it is. It's like the more <laughs> fun it's marketed as, the least yeah. effective it is. And and we agree on that, where it's like, no, yeah. give me the dry material. And like, look, I, I feel like it's a great way to get introduced to a language, dip your toe in the water. Totally. Nothing wrong with that. It's fun. 
Um, but I just, when people ask me about this, I feel like I don't want them two years down the road to go, wait a minute, I did the whole progression and now I feel like I can't understand any conversations that I hear in this language. What, what happened? I, you know, people feel like they got burned, I think. And I just want, I'd like to, for them to avoid that. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I'm always like, get into the survival mode because I learned English in survival mode. So I always yeah. go back to that moment where I'm like, okay, how, how did I learn so fast? Obviously I was a kid and they say kids' brains are just more elastic, so easier to grasp concepts. But it was because I wasn't focused on grammar and mm. I wasn't focused on necessarily like the nitty gritty rules. It was all about acquisition and like getting in their speaking, which is why I actually love learning Egyptian Arabic because there is not there aren't those materials for grammar the way you would find yeah. in a French textbook. So it's like the only way you're going to learn it is speaking, listening, asking questions. Totally true. It's totally true. Not your average Joe. Tip number four. When it comes to learning a language and most things, it's important to diversify. If you only use one platform or one resource, you'll get trapped into the cycle that might have you sounding like a robot or only gets you good at one specific element of that language. The more resources you use, not only in platforms, but with people, the more information you'll have to start crafting your own personality in a language rather than the personality that one resource might train you to be. How important do you think it is for people to study grammar versus just getting in there and speaking? Like, what is your kind of action plan when you tackle a new language? Do you focus on grammar? Do you put it to the side? I mean, for me personally, I, I need like, if I don't have a basis of understanding how to make a, a simple sentence, it's going to be really hard for me to jump in and get further than that because I'll just be so confused. I think there are people who can just jump in and they don't need to study grammar whatsoever, have any understanding of the kind of underlying structure. More power to you if you can do that. But so yeah, I usually recommend to other people and for myself, um, I like to study some kind of textbook or intro material for at least a few weeks a month, just so I kind of get the basics down. Um, and I can like hang, you know, like I have like a spine, and I can hang more information on that over time. Because then it but, turns but, yeah. into like this intellectual, very complex thing like the barrier to entry i just want people to realize that learning languages doesn't need to be this overly complicated thing no 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 it, it definitely doesn't and i think like you said if you can approach it from a survival standpoint or if you can find a way to you know in acting people talk about like what's your motivation or like what's your your need if you can find a motivation that's very simple like okay uh, my girlfriend is from this country and I want to be able to speak with her parents. Okay, great. Then that's going to really motivate you to find a very quick and effective manner to do that. Or I don't know, pick pick any scenario like that. I want a job in XYZ country. So I agree. I think if you're motivated, you can find ways to make it work without going to grammar textbooks or to resources like that. Not your average Joe, tip number five, and probably the most important, find your why. Pause the podcast right now and write down what your motivation is for learning your target language. If there's a why, there's a way. And if the why isn't strong enough, then you might want to revisit your reason for spending precious hours of your life trying to convince yourself that you want to learn a language to begin with. Now let's talk about like the tangible takeaways. Somebody that wants to learn a language, they've tried all the apps, they've dabbled in it, but they've gotten stuck what would you tell them to not be an average Joe? Like, what are your not so average Joe tips? 
Oh, nice. Okay, so if you're stuck and you feel like you're not getting to where you want to be, I mean, to be totally honest, I would say you might just evaluate why you want to learn this language. What, like what your goal is, how much time you want to invest, and whether you're enjoying the process. Because if you're not enjoying learning it, I don't know. I don't think I could do it. And there are a lot of ways to kind of fall in love with the language, right? Like you can watch movies. You can get interested in learning about the culture. You can start making, try making some of the food at home. And I've tried all these things with Arabic and they get you kind of more invested in the language, or at least they do for me. So I would say if you're really having trouble and you tried all these things and nothing's working, maybe ask yourself why you want to learn it. And I don't know, maybe you'll come to the conclusion that you don't want to learn it and that much, or you'll come to another conclusion, which is that you haven't quite yet found your reason. And once you do, the, the gates will fly open. I have so many questions for you, like, why do you want to learn Arabic? I think the sound of the language is so beautiful. Mm. It's, it's like beautiful and, and different and unlike anything I had heard, but kind of reminded me of French. And I was more surprised. So I went to Egypt seven years ago and with my best friend who's fully Egyptian. And so we were in her family's house and they were speaking only Egyptian. And it was that kind of hospitality that makes you want to speak that language so you can respond in their language. Like they were so kind that I'm yeah. like, this is such an injustice that I'm smiling. You know when you can't understand, so you just smile extra hard and you're like nodding? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I got it. I hear you saying. So that's all I was doing, but I, I was desperate in those 10 days to get as much Arabic as I could so I could respond to them. And then once I left, it was always planted in my mind. Like, I knew that if I dedicated myself, I could learn, I could learn something. I could learn more than I, I knew. And it took me seven years to actually sit down and dedicate the time and one thing that I don't talk about often is that when I decided to schedule classes on italki, it was because I was in such a dark place. I was like super sad. It was winter, middle of the pandemic, just feeling trapped. I had moved to a town where I knew nobody. There's not much to do. I'm in the suburbs. And all I wanted was to remember who I was. And so my first kind of like survival mechanism was to book language classes. Wow. And that's why I decided wow. to learn Arabic. It was March 1st. I'll never forget. I'm like, March 1st, I'm done with this depression. I'm getting myself out of this funk. And it really worked. Like, I was able to distract myself. And after that, like, I studied every single day for 45 minutes a day on italki. And then I self, self-studied. self I listened to Pimsleur. Uh, I would run on the treadmill listening to different resources. and And it just reminded me, like, oh, if you dedicate time to something that you know makes you happy you will not only get out of your funk, but you'll help yourself evolve. And and it's a win-win. It's a win-win. It is a win-win. Well said. Very well said. And then also the, the added value was like, this was part of, this was a big part of the why. It was my friend's family is Egyptian, but also knowing my friend. She's my best friend. And I feel like you only know somebody truly when you speak their language or when you let them speak their language. And here was this woman who I felt like was a soul sister that I knew in her English form, but what would she be in her Egyptian Arabic form? And now what's super cool is our conversations are bilingual. She can just be herself and, and like throw in a baguette, like, you know, or whatever, a wallahi or inshallah or, or like, you know, badin will do this. And it makes me so happy. 
And the more I learn, the more it unlocks our friendship too. That's great. That's awesome. I got to be real too. Like some of the languages I learned were for romance. <laughs> okay. They, they were for romance. romance. The languages that I learned the fastest were because of romance. And it's the easy way, I think, in my opinion, to learn a language. Like they say the best classroom is the bedroom. I haven't heard that one. Wow. Now you heard it here. Such a proof. Such a proof. Yeah. language proof. <laughs> and it's true because it's like those moments where you don't know how to express something or I love dating people that don't speak English or cannot express things like I dated an Italian who didn't speak any English at all and I barely spoke Italian and so in 10 days I picked up Italian or like had a French fling I, sorry to interrupt you how, how did someone ask someone out with hand signals it was body language and using Spanish and Portuguese and just like all of the tools that we could. It's again, that survival mode. You're like, I know I like you and I know you like me, but we'll use Google Translate until we can figure this out. Oh my God. That's like a movie. That's so great. There are people who I've dated who only know me in one language. Right. And so to me, that's fascinating. But then I, I almost think like, okay, well, when you break up, it's over, right? When you break up, immediately the, the why goes away. And so I wanted to choose a more constant why. And that's why with Arabic, it has this permanent spot in my heart because I'm best friends with Omni. It's not like she's, we're going to break up. Like we, right. we will be friends and I'm connected to her family. So if anybody out there is listening and they're learning for love, you probably will learn it faster. But just stay consistent even after a breakup. Cause Might leave a sour taste in your mouth if the relationship goes south. Exactly. So what's your deep-seated reason? I would just say it's joy. I, I really just enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's all these things, right? It's learning about the culture. It's that I find the language itself fascinating or these various languages fascinating. It's that, you know, I live in New York and it's so fun to be able to speak with people on the streets in these different languages. It's seeing their faces light up. It's learning just how kind of shielded or blinded some American viewpoints are about the world, at least my own viewpoints. All those things over time have just made it more enjoyable for me. But I think once you get your, like a, your hooks into one of those things, it can sort of lead to more and more and snowball and it becomes more enjoyable over time. I, I've just found it to be more enjoyable over time as I find new reasons to love languages and Arabic, Egyptian Arabic. Do you find that every time you learn more of the language or a new language, you kind of unlock a layer of yourself? Yes. Or at least I unlock a new way of thinking about things that I hadn't before. And I, I maybe you feel this way, but I do feel a little bit that my kind of point of view or my, I don't know, my worldview, not my worldview, the way I feel about myself in a given moment changes a little bit when I speak a different language. Like the way I feel when I speak Spanish is just a little different than the way I feel when I speak Mandarin. I can't quite put my finger on it, but how about you? Do you have that experience? I, I'm always fascinated with that topic because I've always felt different when I speak Portuguese and when I speak English. Maybe it's because of the context that I speak them in uh, versus when I speak French, I feel, I feel different, right? Like, and yeah. I always ask myself, like, how many layers inside of myself are just dormant? until I pick up that language or the things that the language makes you realize, whether it's like uh, having to pay attention because the sentence isn't complete in Greek until the sentence is done 
Yeah. Right. Or whether it's like being very um, gracious and, and grateful when you're speaking Arabic, like Alhamdulillah, you know, you're always saying like Alhamdulillah, because it's like, let's be grateful, let's be thankful. So these things are a part of speech, but it actually makes you feel something different that you might not have felt without that language. Yeah. Absolutely. You're, you're right on the money with that. I, I, I agree 100%. And it's funny you mentioned Alhamdulillah, because I feel that I feel like the word inshallah has almost changed the way I think about the future time. The fe- I would call it the future potential that, you know, in Arabic and Egyptian Arabic, most people, when they're talking about something in the future or something that might happen or they would like to happen, they throw or add inshallah on the end of that statement to just suggest that anything that happens, if it's going to happen in the future, it happens by the will of God, which, you know, English has a phrase like that, God willing, you know, people say it, but they don't say it all the time. And the ubiquitousness of that phrase in Arabic has just started to stick with me of like, the future is unknowable and God or a higher power we don't have control over it. It's in, it's in someone else's hands. You know, this, it's made me think a lot about possibility and, and the future. And so, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's changed who I am. I also say it even with people who don't speak Arabic, because I'm like, this is just such a necessary thing to put at the end of the sentence. The future is not guaranteed yeah. and God willing. Like, even if you're right. not religious in the sense, it makes so, yeah. you rewire. Because something that I think is so fascinating about Arabic and Egyptian Arabic is how uh, intertwined the religion is is baked in. It's intertwined. So yeah. even if you're not Muslim, you're going to be learning Muslim phrases and things from the Quran linguistically that are necessary. But then it makes you have oh, this right. like tenderness towards the religion that you might not have had had you not learned some of the language. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting that I learned you know early on. I, I asked this question like, okay, so the, the phrase inshallah. Is that, it's just something that Muslims say in Egypt? And it's like, no, pretty much everybody says it. I mean, they don't have to say it, but Christians use it all the time. And it's it's both part of Islamic culture, but also just part of Arab culture, Egyptian culture. And it's a little bit, it's a slightly different way of thinking about the future or a very different way of thinking about the future, depending on what your perspective is now. And it's funny, like I actually, I sometimes say it now when I'm speaking English with my wife because it just, it feels, especially in regards to certain things if you're talking about things in the future like just reminding yourself that like you said that it's not guaranteed it's not guaranteed and that is why everyone should learn a new language yeah one of the many reasons it's so good okay cool well i'm so happy that you have had this discussion with me and next time we'll do it in arabic oh my god thank you so much for having this was so fun and your content is so awesome and i would love to have a conversation with you in arabic and you can try Spanish. I'm sure you just run circles around me, but it'll be fine. No, no, you're my inspiration. I'm just always reminding myself that like when I'm overwhelmed, I don't have kids. I don't have a newborn baby. Like what's my excuse? You got these awesome TV shows on Netflix you got to do. That's why I'm taking advantage right now. We're in downtime. So I'm like, let me learn all the Arabic and all the Greek. Like I just made the decision today that I am going to Egypt, to Cairo, to meet Ahmed in person. So we'll have kind of like this concluding not concluding because the journey has just begun but it's cool that from the internet i can go to egypt and meet him in person he's already met my best friend in cairo 
That's yeah, yeah. I saw that. That's awesome. So it's like this is also why I love learning languages so much. Like meeting him has opened the door to a version of Egypt I would have never had access to. Of course, yeah. Just by learning this language with somebody that's now become a good friend. So I'm always amazed. I'm like, damn, I need to clone myself or I need multiple brains on reserve. Like it's too much. I want to experience too much. Every language I learn just feels, it makes me feel like I'm living multiple lives. Totally. Multiple brains on reserve. I like that phrase. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that one. That's good. <laughs> I want that. And halas, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Brian for chatting it up with me on one of my favorite topics. I'm sure we'll have many more episodes about language learning. Don't forget to check the show notes to follow Brian on social media. And also don't forget to like and follow this podcast to get notifications every week when I launch a new episode. Next week, I sit down with my sister, Fernanda Franco, who's super talented and is also the creator and performer of the Not Your Average Joe theme song. We talk about sibling rivalry and how growing up in a house household with siblings might change your perception of not only who you are, but of what you think you can achieve. This episode was produced and edited by moi, and the song is by Fernando Franco. And follow me on social media for daily good vibes, Joe underscore Franco, and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Joe Franco. See you next time, and stay multilingual. Masalema. Hey, yo, come listen to my girl, man. What you doing? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.